powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Better Than Before, and welcome to this new year and new decade of 2020. This is Tony Richards. We got a great show coming up for you today. And before we get started, I just want to take this opportunity to tell you about my new book, How to Journal Like a CEO, a 365-day guide to career success through journaling. Man, this book has got some amazing things in it just for you. You got a starter guide to help you go down the path of journaling. You have a writing from me that kicks off each month of the year with some thoughts you can use to focus yourself during the coming month in the calendar. And then each month has a journaling question that I've used with my coaching clients to great success. We've got questions to help you formalize and focus your thinking, which you can do through journaling. And it creates clarity for you. And as you know, clarity is power 365 of the most powerful prompts and questions that I have utilized with my clients in my coaching practice to help generate record-breaking results also you get a monthly review page to help you keep track and pace as you go throughout the year so you can do a post-mortem on each month as you close it out this is all yours in my new book how to journal like a ceo 365 days of guiding your career success through journaling, just a mere $2.99. That's right, just $2.99. Plus, with Amazon Kindle, you can have it in your hands and on your device in just seconds, and it'll be easy to carry it everywhere you go. I've got it on my own Kindle. Sure, I bought my own book, and I use it every single day. And you can, too, for just $2.99 at Amazon. How to Journal Like a CEO, a 365-day guide to career success through journaling by me, Tony Richards. And remember, everything gets better when you get better. On the show today, we're going to talk to my good friend, Lele Hancock, about leadership. And that's coming up here on the Better Than Before show. It's brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. The Flaming Pit. Sky High Drive-In. Puckett's Menswear. Biscayne Mall. The Balloon Fest. Over the years, we've seen lots of changes here in mid-Missouri. Businesses and people come and go. One thing that hasn't changed is University Subaru. Homegrown is new peas and potatoes. We're so proud to be your locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Come by and experience the difference. University Subaru, truly homegrown and proud of it. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control, but that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com.
everyone. This is Tony Richards. Welcome back to Better Than Before. And I have a very special guest on the show today. Her name is Lale Hancock, and she is a highly respected executive and leadership coach. And she has a particular interest in supporting and encouraging the leadership capabilities of women in business, workplace, home, and the wider community. She's featured alongside luminaries such as Oprah Winfrey, Melinda Gates, and many others in the 2019 publication America's Leading Ladies, Stories of Courage, Challenge, and Triumph. And uh, she has a very unique story as well. Lale was forced to flee Iran with her family as a young girl and eventually settled in the United States at the age of 11. Her personal story is a testament to her intelligence, resilience, and entrepreneurial aptitude. After striving for a career in healthcare for many, many years, a large earthquake in Los Angeles forced Lale to completely rebuild her life and occupation. She soon found herself divorced and raising preschool twins on her own, bold and determined to say the least. She leaped headfirst into a commission-only job in the male-dominated technology sector, a daring decision that sparked a highly celebrated career in professional services, corporate leadership, recruitment, and executive coaching, which is what she does today. Lale, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me here. Listen, I'm just thrilled that you were able to make time for me today. So thank you for doing this. And you as well. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, listen, very compelling story. Leaving Iran when you were just 11. That was around the uh, political and religious revolution, right? Yeah, I was actually seven when I left Iran and 11 when I left France. Yeah, we left 24 hours after the revolution started. My dad saw some things coming down the pike and wanted to make sure that, you know, as a family, we were safe. That's awesome. So did you go from France to the U.S. then? Yes. Okay. You grew up in the mid to what, late 80s to early 90s? Those were your uh, school years then? Definitely. Yeah. All right. So you probably got Americanized, right? <laughs> I think so. I think I got Americanized, but also kept many aspects of the other cultures as well. You know, you can tell those uh, people who have a lot of 80s injection in them. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I've kind of got the 70s and 80s injection. So sometimes I say these phrases and words and people just look at me like, where did you come up with that? And I'm like, well. You know, 80s was my favorite. So it was a really, it was some good times and some good music too. Tell me a little bit about the clients you work with. Yeah, actually what I love about what I do is it's such a mix. I've worked with corporate clients, Fortune 50, 100, 500, working with entrepreneurs, just kickstarting a new business, small, medium. I've worked with the not-for-profits. And one of the things that I've been doing the last few years is I also travel in addition and work with the community so that I get to work with families and veterans and others that may normally not have access to, to me or my services. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk about communication today, but what are some of the other things you help with on the coaching side? Well, actually, you know, it's coaching slash consulting. Mm -hmm. So my niche is culture transformation and leadership. 
And so with that comes business process improvement. It comes in doing a lot of um, strategic planning with the board as well as the leadership team. So it just kind of varies the reason an organization's asking me to come in, but it's usually because something's not working out, you know, right? Yes. they need some assistance from an external point of view of what's really going on and not just how do we fix it, but how do we create something that's going to be sustainable? I do coaching and consulting and then some advisory work also. For our audience, if you don't know, coaching is trying to bring the client to their own conclusions and answers through being inquisitive. And then uh, consulting is you are trying to offer some tools or models or frameworks to help the client. And then uh, sometimes in advisory work, just tell me what you want me to do, you know, (laughs) so I'll do that as well if I'm asked to. Well, it sounds like interesting work. What is the most unusual client you've ever worked with? Hmm. Or maybe the one you enjoyed the most? Oh, the enjoyed the most. You know what? The ones who are willing to be the wrong leaders are the fun ones because they don't have everything already figured out Mm -hmm. and you're coming in to just fit a piece of a puzzle in their puzzle, but they're actually willing to look at what's going to create greater for them their employees and truly the rest of the world. So they tend to be looking at the situations very different. They're in a little bit of experimental mode. They are. And you know what it is? It's like, it's funny because I found it also varies. Sometimes people think, oh, you know, a new leader is willing to be more in that kind of space because, you know, they don't have a lot of experience. But what I found is some of the senior leaders I work with who normally would be very structured in their own way realize that's not working and really where we're going for now in the future that's what's going to help kill their business not actually let it grow so around this thought about communication skills you're quoted here by saying staying silent when you have something to share doesn't just undermine your personal and professional standing it can also adversely affect your health and well-being as well Elaborate on that a little. Definitely. You know, sometimes depending on the leaders, the people around them don't feel the freedom to have a voice and to actually share the creative ideas that they have. And when people are not willing to share that one, it's a detriment to the organization because it could be a new idea, new creative way to change a situation or bring in new revenue streams or whatever it is that's going to make the organization greater. But what it does is people bottle that in. And if they're holding back from actually speaking about their ideas, chances are they're doing that in other parts of their lives. I also do a lot around wellness in business. And one of the things that I found is the ones that are holding back are the ones who have more sick days. They're the ones who are utilizing the healthcare more. And they're the ones, unfortunately, who end up developing some of the longer term illnesses or cancers. If people are actually willing to have their own voice, it's amazing how it can affect to a much more positive environment at work and at home. So you've got some statistics here that you passed along to me also. 69% of workplace managers resist communicating with their staff. 72% of employees say they don't speak up at work when they feel they should. 74% of people are afraid of public speaking. 
And 65% of therapists say breakdown in communication is the top cause of divorce. Yep. (laughs) And those are scary statistics. (laughs) I want to know, one, how does a business actually get to grow and expand and do anything when you have these statistics out there? You know, the 74% of people are afraid of public speaking. That one doesn't surprise me at all. Yep. As Jerry Seinfeld famously said, the person would rather be in the casket than give the eulogy. Exactly. <laughs> I remember that show, by the way. <laughs> yep, yep. But these other ones are really kind of crazy. I mean, 69% of managers resist, meaning they know they should, but they don't communicate with their staff. And 72% say they don't speak up when they feel they should. What are the most common issues that are surrounding people? Do you know that uh, they feel like they need to be speaking about, but they don't? Yeah. Last year, I actually was working with one of the largest advertising agencies in the U.S. And that was one of the biggest challenges for them, actually. And what we realized is the general manager was a bully and He was threatening in the way he would communicate with the staff and his desire to control the environment and have everyone do everything his way left no room for creativity. Mm -hmm. And when people witnessed the communication happening from one person speaking up and really not having permission to speak and if anything being belittled, it really created a domino effect for the rest of the staff. And we're talking about a very creative environment. You're talking about people in advertising. So it really didn't just affect new ideas coming up of, you know, improving the business, but it impacted the projects that they had with their clients, their ability to be that advisor, their ability to actually be able to assist their clients to think outside the box got affected. And that was the reason that I came in. They had a huge turnover rate in a very short period of time and they didn't know what to do. And the irony is the person that brought me in, my point of contact ended up being this general manager. (laughs) So um, it was very interesting to, to see that sometimes the people you think are the ones who are the leaders and the advisory are the ones who are the problems. The initiator of the problems, I would say. Everyone, if you're not willing to speak up, you are creating a problem. It's always interesting to me because I've just been such a student of human behavior Mm-hmm. how humans tend to go to extremes in behavior. Yep. They will go like this manager you're using for an example, somewhere along in his career or her career, whichever it may be, decided somewhere along the way that this autonomous style was going to be their style. Exactly. They were going to be very heavy-handed and very controlling and very dominating in their entire approach to everything with people. Whereas I have also seen the exact opposite, where a leader or a manager will be too groupthink, Mm -hmm. and they will allow their entire department and its individuals to make all the decisions Mm -hmm. as, as if they are not needed at all. They will seed every single thought or decision or any kind of direction to others. And 
it's a, it's a dance that you need to learn. If you want to be an elite level leader to me, you need to learn the dance that you need to do where there are times you need to be autonomous and there are times you need to seed the decisions and the input, but not all the time. Well, you nailed it. It's going to change. You know, we live in a world where every day the world is changing. The needs of your client base is going to change. The need of your products and services are going to change. And you have to be willing to know what's happening today, but also look at the future. And with that, what is required today? You know, like you said, as an elite leader, you cannot look like one answer fits every single situation. But one of the things I have found is very rarely do we have leaders who are willing to create the place where people can have ideas and share it. There's some organizations that do it really well, and for the most part, many don't. And when you don't engage your employees and their creativity and allow them to have a voice, it creates a very dynamic place for them to feel engaged and involved and want to be part of those solutions. And you know, when the tough times hit, you want those employees to be there to also support the bigger picture of where you're trying to go. Because there's going to be those tough times. There are going to be a lot of those tough times and sometimes very few that aren't tough times. And you want to make sure that you have people that are I don't want to say the word dedicated because dedicated has so many different definitions, but when you have engaged employees, they flow with that and they can come up with ways to assist. And leadership's not about you doing it all by yourself, but it's knowing when you have to be able to make the decisions and be able to go even if no one else is following you. You're locked into Better Than Before. It's our improvement uh, podcast for leaders and executives. I'm Tony Richards, and I'm visiting with Lale Hancock. She is a, a an executive coach, and we're zeroing in on communication, and especially around this thought that people do not speak up when they should. And we're about to give your tongue a break from being a stress-biting toy because we're going to exercise it and you're going to learn how to speak up because Lale has five tips she's about to lay on you that's really going to help. And let's start with the number one thing that you're going to tell people, Lale, and that is you got to be honest with yourself. Yes, you do. You do. And, you know, that's one of the things I think is one of the hardest things is that most people are honest with everyone else and lie to themselves. Why would I want to hurt my own feelings? But it's not about hurting your feelings. When you're willing to be vulnerable and actually be honest with you, there's nothing you cannot handle. It's when you go into the illusion that you are something you're not or that you're not something that you actually are is when you allow the thoughts in your head to drive you crazy instead of if you know, if you're willing to be truly aware of where you're at, you can change anything. I like this number two. Stop mimicking. Yeah. You know, and I'll tell you 10 years ago, it was, it was what's the best practice that's out there. And let's try to get our organization to match up to what's happening in the rest of the world. But the beauty of you is there's only one of you in the world and the uniqueness of you 
and really looking at not what someone else is doing from let me go copy them, but from having more information of what's available. What is out there? What are people doing? What is an approach that I can use? But really find what is that going to be for you? And it might be a mix and match of different things that you've been exposed to and your own personality is going to shine through. So don't try to copy, but try to have information and then decide what's going to work for you. I think it starts with our parents and they're just trying to do the best they know how. Exactly. But I think that there is a strong influence maybe that standing out is wrong and fitting in is right. Exactly. The thing that you learn if you want to really be a higher level performer and you want to be really good at what you do, you're going to stand out. That's okay. And being comfortable with standing out too. And you know what? Standing out has, has, has its own definitions as well. Because it doesn't mean do something obnoxious to stand out. But when you're not willing to hide, your brilliance will shine through. Be willing to be curious and ask questions. Be willing to learn more about your environment, not just where you are, but talk to people. You know, what I love about it is when you are willing to actually look even outside your organization, how are people doing it elsewhere so that you are bringing in new information? And from leadership, people want to know you are willing to be seen because if you're not, everything else is hiding with you. I think I was just focusing on what you were saying earlier, which really struck me about the uniqueness of the person. There's only one of you. And uh, I think if you're drawing on that authenticity and the uniqueness of you, you're going to stand out because you're the only one of you, right? There's only one of you. But like you said, we've done such a great job in trying to fit in when we don't fit in. (laughs) Yeah. And we now have pretty much lied to ourselves of who we actually are. Instead of being you, getting your voice out there and being willing to be the leader that you actually are. Tell me about this number three, learn to know what you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people don't even realize what they know around a topic, around anything. And so it really is take a minute and just start writing, like just ask yourself one question. Okay, so what do I actually know about this topic? and start brainstorming because you won't realize how much information you've already soaked in about this particular topic. But if you've never talked about it before, if no one's ever asked you about it, you think you know nothing. And that's one of the things that I I love about that whole engagement of employees is that when you bring them around an environment and ask them a question, you get to see that they actually know so much more than they know. Number four is tailor your delivery for the best results. Now, the funny part is when I say best results, that's not always what we assume is the best results. What if you're willing to even ask a question? Okay, whatever we're creating here, what can we put in place today that allows this to be successful for now and the future? A lot of times people are very short-term focused. They're looking at the short-term profit. They're really not looking at what can be put in place that allows this to continue to thrive and continue to make itself money 
and continue to allow the people that are part of this to grow with it. Very cool. Number five is don't expect a certain resolution. Do you remember when I was telling you at the beginning of that executive who had everything controlled and figured out? Yes. It didn't leave room for creativity. It didn't leave room for any awareness of what the future requires either. This is the part I talk about the difference between a goal and a target. You can have a target. You're aiming towards something because you'll never know if you're even there if you don't have an aim. However, the goal is solid. It's like we have to make, let's say, $100,000 on this particular project, okay? If you make $99,000, you're disappointed. You didn't hit your goal and people are very upset. Well, what if you had that flexibility that, yeah, you hit 99, you get to celebrate, and now what else? What else can we do to double this or triple this or quadruple this? When you have that target, the disappointments aren't there. You're continuously looking at how to make it better. I love this one little quote in this material I have from you. It says, don't make it about anger, blame, or shame. Following your authentic voice is about knowing what is going to create, check this out, greater for everyone involved. So while you're being unique and individual, your goal should be about creating for everyone. That's, that's pretty cool, Lolly. Thank you. And you know, the people who are looking at it as it's just about me, look at their lives and what they create. And then look at the ones who are actually looking at it for the bigger play. And with organizations today, I'm working a lot with them who are looking at the planet, looking at how you know the sustainability of the planet is part of their strategy as well. So what if it's not just about the people, but we're also including the planet in the everyone? Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I've got a standard list of questions I like to ask everybody who comes on the show. Cool. There are 12 of them. And you know, I think they're fairly simple. It helps the audience get to know our guest a little bit here as we come to the end of our time together. And we're going to try to do these in fairly rapid fire and short fashion if you're ready. I'm ready. All right. Number one, what is the best memory that comes to mind for Lale? Mm, laughing as a seven-year-old or nine-year-old. A nine-year-old. We laughed for 24 hours. <laughs> Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Was it just over one thing or was it a succession of things? It was me, my sister, and my grandmother. And it started with one thing and it just kept adding and more and more and more. And literally we were laughing for 24 hours. Who is the number one hero in your life? Mm, my dad. And why? He was an executive and we would just have some of the most amazing conversations. At the age of seven, I was guiding him on what to do for his business. And by 12 or 13, I was part of the team. <laughs> How neat is that? Yeah. What is the top value you subscribe to? Mm. Kindness. Who is the most important person in your life? Mm. My children. What are their names and ages? Mariah and Brianna, and they're both 23. I have twins. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> what are they doing these days? Well, Brianna is going to go to medical school in September, and Mariah has a business, a pre-law, sports management background, so she's working and doing some really cool stuff on that. That's wonderful. What is your most favorite thing in the whole world? Laughing. 
<laughs> well, you did it for 24 hours. It must have been. <laughs> Everything can be fun if you allow it. That's that's the thing for me. I, I need still to learn that lesson. What is your favorite food? Sushi. What is the most beautiful place you've ever been to? Oh, I have so many, but Malaysia was one of them. What was special about that? Oh, Langkawi, it was just everything, the ocean, the sunset. The sunset has like 12 or 14 different colors in the sky, and it changes every single day. If you could describe success in one word, what would that word be? Mm, empowering one person. How do you want to be remembered? Someone who is curious and was willing to take risks no one else was willing to take. If you could go back and talk to a much younger Lale, what would be the best advice for her? Hmm. I would say, oh no, she she would tell me, hey, how fun. <laughs> <laughs> she was telling your dad what was up. So <laughs> you know, there that little Lale never let anything get to her. I went from one country to another and I had two options. I could be an introvert, stay in my house because I never knew when I was moving again, or to get to know the whole world because you never know how long you're there. And that's what that young Lale chose, and it's been the best choice in my life. That's great. What's your favorite sound? I'm not sure. I have so many. I love the sound of drums. Really? Yeah. What is the best lesson you've learned? Mm, never give up, never stop, and don't let anyone or anything get you down. That's awesome. So we've been visiting with Lale Hancock. And Lale, tell everybody how to find out more about you. Well, the best place for me, you could be on social media or on my website. It's bellapimo.com. It's B-E-L-A-P-E-M-O.com. Oh, wonderful. I will definitely look you up on social media. We will make connection there. Sounds great. Yes, you can find me on LinkedIn too. Okay. Lale Hancock. Lale, thank you so much. This has been delightful. Thank you. And I'm so grateful for you and all your listeners, too. You got it. Lale Hancock. I'm Tony Richards. Stand by. I've got more for you on Better Than Before right after this. The Flaming Pit. Sky High Drive-In. Puckett's Menswear. Biscayne Mall. The Balloon Fest. Over the years, we've seen lots of changes here in mid-Missouri. Businesses and people come and go. One thing that hasn't changed is University Subaru. Homegrown is new peas and potatoes. We're so proud to be your locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Come by and experience the difference. University Subaru, truly homegrown and proud of it. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
Wow, what a great conversation with Lele Hancock today. Lots of world travels and lots of experience and a lot of great value shared by Lele to you today here on Better Than Before. And this is the part of the podcast where I'm going to share some value with you also. And this uh, particular segment is called How to Be a Master at What You Do. How to Be a Master at What You Do. Well, the first thing you have to learn is if you want to be a master, you have to be exceptional exceptional you have to be the exception in other words don't look at everybody else and try to do what everybody else is doing that'll just make you average you want to be the exception how did beckham become beckham how did buffett become buffett how did mozart become mozart well every single one of us does what the best of the best do then we can get the results of the best of the best that means never be satisfied but you can be happy and you can be content Mark Twain said, if everyone was satisfied with themselves, there would be no heroes. Gratitude is the antidote to fear. When you appreciate how far you've come and when you're grateful for your journey, it helps propel you forward. The number one reason people leave for a competitor is they don't feel appreciated by their leader or their supervisor. I feel like I've climbed a mountain on being exceptional and it's hard work every single day. But in order to do that, I have to pause and celebrate how far we've come. Nelson Mandela says, you can't rest too long because your long journey has not ended. So when you stop to celebrate or you stop to be grateful, just know you got to pick it up and get going again. So here's some insights on cracking the mastery code. If you want to be a master at whatever it is that you are doing for a life and for your career, number one, you have to realize that when understanding exceptionalism or understanding genius or understanding mastery, we're just coming out of the dark ages. I mean, we haven't been studying this as a science for very long. We used to think geniuses were just especially born people who were cut from a different cloth. We never realized that there were certain things that geniuses do and masters do that make them geniuses and masters. The second thing I want you to realize is there's something called neuroplasticity. And if you're a regular listener to Better Than Before, you know that I've talked to various guests on the show about neuroplasticity. Essentially, that's a big word that means that the human brain is more like a muscle than we give it credit for. You can train your brain to become world-class in your specific craft. You can become more, but you have to change your brain and you have to change your thinking. And your brain will change and it will stretch. That's what neuroplasticity is all about. On the particular neuropathway regarding your specific skill, you can wrap that pathway with more myelin. Myelin is what helps you develop more and more in a particular craft or skill. It's sort of like if you ever stripped off the plastic of a wire and inside the plastic there is a wire. Well, your brain neurons are like the wire and the plastic covering around it is myelin. And you can develop more and more myelin around that wire just by doing a few things. And especially it is practicing. The more and more you practice something specific, you get more and more clarity and you get more and more myelin. 
you get higher reaction times as you practice your skill and you get higher and higher brain activity and sharper focus and you get better because that myelin around your neurons and that wire begins to grow and get thicker. Number three, a ferocious devotion to practice. You got to stay focused on getting better every single day. When the brain is put under stress, dormant genetic coding gets expressed. David Beckham, the world-class soccer player, someone asked him, said, what is your secret to becoming as good as you are? And he said, it's easy. My secret is practice. Warren Buffett has become a wonderful example of the best at capital allocation. What does that mean? That means the way he distributes the money that he makes. He distributes it or allocates it to make even more money or more capital. He used to leave dinner parties because he was bored and he'd go read financial journals. But he wanted to get back to something that was really important to him. One of the great painting masters of the Renaissance period used to leave dinner with people and go paint. You don't scatter your focus. You get better each day, each week, each month, and each year. And we know, according to research by Harvard Business Institute, that it takes 10 years at the very least to achieve mastery. Steve Martin famously said, be so good that they can't ignore you. And Jack Nicholas talked about Tiger Woods. He said, he plays a golf game that I'm not familiar with. How would you like to have somebody as awesome as Jack Nicholas describe your game as a game he's not familiar with? Pretty awesome. So what are the principles of the mastery code that you can follow to become a master? Well, the first one is, if you haven't picked up on it, on what I've been saying so far, obsession. I had a client once that did a study of the best businesses in the world. And what they found out is the one thing the best managers had in common was domain knowledge. They knew more about their specific field than their peers. And a lot of people don't have this. I mean, they, they consider their work as a job and they turn it off Friday at five o'clock and they spend almost as much time doing other things as they do in the thing that they're working and it's just interesting when you talk to a lot of people they wish that their hobby was their job and they spend more intense time studying their hobby than they do what it is they make a living at right so healthy obsession is the domain of greatness. You have to be obsessed with what you do, and that will drive you on to become a master. Number two, we've already kind of touched on it, but it's deep daily practice. In a study at the University of Germany, they found out that the areas of the brain can be expanded and have more neuroplasticity. It can be grown and developed through practice. You can accelerate your processing. You can allow yourself to see things more clearly than your competitors do or your peers do who don't practice at all. And they studied the area of the brain which controls the fingers of young concert pianists. And they found that they were more developed because they practiced more. This allowed the young child to play at world-class levels that people who were a lot older than them couldn't even approach playing. Also, London taxi drivers. 
the area of their brain responsible for navigation was way more developed than other people because of their hours of driving every single day under the most intense conditions imaginable. So what do you need to do? You need to practice every single day. You need to read. You need to study. You need to watch yourself. You need to tape yourself. You need to video yourself. You need to get feedback from objective people. And then you need to repeat the process and continuously and consciously challenge yourself every single day. Number three, you need resources. You need to have the best coaches. You need to have the best environment. You need to have the best mindset. You need to have the best practice schedule. If your genius or your mastery is more around the physical realm, don't join the cheapest gym. Join the best gym. If it's around uh, an area of your work, then you need to invest in things that can help teach you, things that you can learn from, things that will challenge you. If you uh, go around with other superb thinkers, it rubs off on you. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So you get better by being around people who are better than you. If you're more athletically driven, faster than you, stronger than you, all of those things make you better when you surround yourself who are trying to be masters as well. Number four is your energy. It's your energy. It's in how you apply it. There's a 42-year-old watchmaker in Europe, one of the greatest Swiss watchmakers in the world, who says he doesn't do it for the money or the fame or the applause. He does it because he wants to have a commitment to be the ultimate craftsman. He said, I'm never finished with a watch. I want to be the best in the world at what I do. And the best of the best don't do it for the newspaper headlines. They don't do it for the bank account. They don't do it for the gold medals. They do it because of the pursuit of excellence, the feeling and the pride of knowing that you're always improving and always getting better. And number five, this is an internet measurement tool, but I'm going to use it here. What's your bounce rate? In other words, when you fail, how quickly do you get back on track? When you experience disappointment, how quickly do you move on past it? One Chinese figure skater fell 20,000 times before she became a gold medal figure skater at the Olympics. Can you imagine that? She busted her butt 20,000 times before she got to gold medal status. You got to be resilient. You got to fail more than your competitors if you want to surpass them. You cannot afford to listen to your critics. You got to stay true to your vision of being the best possible. Criticism is just a mechanism of scared people who are full of fear. They'd rather criticize you than do something on their own or do something themselves. And failing is just part of the process of getting to that world-class elite level in whatever you do. And that's all we're all trying to do. Our coaching and advice here at Clear Vision Development Group can help you with all that. Just shoot me an email, tony at clearvisiondevelopment.com, or visit our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com, to learn more about how we can help you with your next level elite preparation process. Well, that's our show today. We want to thank Lele Hancock for being our special guest and teaching us more about leadership. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and our company at ClearVisionDEV. On behalf of Whitney Coker and William Foster, I'm Tony Richards, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.